Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee. Well, Rick, I'm glad to have you here because last week's show, I admit, if I had to fly by myself, it was a good topic for me. In talking with uh, Jim McGrath all about the birds and the turtles, this week we're talking about planted aquariums, and I'm sorry, I can't do that (laughs) without you. I'm back in the saddle. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you. Rick, I was so impressed this week. You guys had a guest come into Proust Bats to do a lecture about aquascaping and a demonstration yep. and I watched the video of it I was you had a very nice turnout in your classroom yep. learning the whole thing and discovering more secrets about the whole thing but what was also intriguing to me was that I saw another picture and it showed some crabs and they were in a very natural looking environment sure. and evidently they were thriving as a result of what you can create because now it's literally possible to create the natural world for freshwater fish in a way that most people can do it. And that's amazing to me. Well, and not just fish, like you said, the crabs. Um, And frogs, I'm sure, the dart frogs. Yeah, you know, that's been, I guess, the most robust growth and passion following for the last few years. If there's anything about who we are, what we are, it's not that we haven't been on this path and, and beaten the drum towards this path, but it's it's almost, it's getting up to a, you know, a level of orchestra, you know, mm-hmm. where we have in the reptile department, we have the frog environments, the, and I say reptile amphibian department, um, we have the poison dart frog environments where we do these paludariums that are second to none. They're just crazy. It's just like a splice, like you were to go into the Amazon forest and take a saw and just cut up a big square block and pop it into an aquarium. Exactly. And, and, um, and then, like you said, even hermit crabs providing that environment that makes them feel like they they are back home, if you will. And then we go over to the fish department. You know, reef tanks aren't far from, you know, this same, well, it's all part of the same journey. You know, when we think of a reef tank, you know, it used to be that saltwater fish were kept in tanks. And then we learned about corals and anemones and such, right? right. And maybe some people dabbled in it. And then this whole transformation from the 60s or the, the 70s, a slight bit, you know, 80s for the most part, right. is the dawn of a reef tank. Um, and, and now just spectacular. And when you come in, you, you just have seen something that you may, you know, without seeing that, you really haven't seen all of what Mother Nature has to offer. Right. right. Uh, and, and we can't all get out to the ocean to get a scuba diving suit to go see this. So I'm really excited about the fact we've gone on that journey and we're still on it. But now, even back in the 70s and the 60s, it wasn't uncommon to hear, uh, to, to think of, and maybe even exercise, especially if you were in Europe, um, planted aquariums. Um, but here in the United States, it's been on a low simmer for many decades until more recently within the last couple. And now 
something that was known as a hobby that maybe was out of touch for most and even not necessarily all that followed by many is now like mainstream, the thing people do, you know, and we want our store to kind of reflect that. Right. And so we're going through a whole remake of who are who who we are and what we're all about and how we're going to display it, not to do anything different than we always have done, right. but to maybe just show and show more vision for the for the average person walking in so that they actually think differently. Well, I think it's a great addition because Freshwater is a, a way for a lot of people to enjoy fish and it's affordable and uh, this just adds to it. But for this show, we've got a couple of people that are somewhat related to Bruce Pat specifically, uh, Will Schaefer, who's worked for you and continues to work for you in your ma- your uh, aquarium maintenance department. And in the meantime, we've also got another gentleman who... Boy, Rick, he was a child when he first got exposed to you out in Hazlitt and got that Rick Proust lecture that we all know about and get when we first buy from you. But he's been doing planted aquariums for 30 years, Kapil, and he will share with us some of his adventures in 30 years of planted aquariums and just developing it. So great show. Uh, Please pay attention and listen this week on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest. It's Will Schaefer, who is in the maintenance department with Proust Aquarium Innovations, which most people might not know about because you don't promote that name often. (laughs) But it is a part of your company that puts fish tanks and other aquarium settings into a variety of public places. And, Will, you're the guy who goes out there and gets it done. Welcome to the show. One of many, but, yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate your coming on. Uh, You were one of the people who attended the aquascaping, I don't know what I should call it. Was it a seminar? Was it an example? But uh, it was a a well-attended program that you guys had, and you brought in an outside expert. Uh, What did you think of it? What did you learn? And what did you just most of all think the public would have gotten out of it if they were there? You know, I think that it was really a fantastic seminar, you know, event, whatever you want to call it. I think it was absolutely fantastic because I think that any person of the public could have gone into that class with very little knowledge of what aquascaping is, how it works, what you can do with it. And I think by the end of that class, you have a very solid set of skills to go out and at least try it. You know, I think that it wasn't so complicated that you can't understand it, but he still, he still got a lot of information into what he was saying. And I think that I, I love seeing how, you know, how he does it. And, and I think how he did it in front of that class was just simple. It was very clear. And I think that the whole class really liked it and he was really funny. And it was just a really great way of teaching, you know, aquascaping in general, because, you know, a lot of people get really intimidating. And I think uh, he really made it not that intimidating. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to have something like this. The guy 
shows up with an, a glass box that's probably, I don't know, how big would you say that glass box was? I think it was like 10 gallons. <laughs> yeah, 10 or 50, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was any more than 10 gallons. And no, he put on a display there. You know, I, we got like a, a plastic, you know, regular fold-out table and just some basic, you know, a bundle of rocks here and a bag of this here and there. But by the time he pulled away, that glass box just had this view. In this case, yeah. it was a hardscape view. There weren't any live plants yeah. in there. It was just yeah. to show what hardscape can be all about and how you yeah. use it. Maybe you could just give the audience just a just a like what was he trying to convey and how would you pull that off? I I, I think what he was trying to convey with, with his aquascaping really was simplicity. You know, not overthinking it, but you know, having a basic set of rules. And I think that you know, conveying that. This doesn't have to be this super complicated thing, and it can be just, you know, I'm sitting here, I got my, my rocks, I got my substrate, you know, have a lot of materials with you so that you can do it. And yeah. I think I, I think it really, really um, instilled that, uh, you know, you can take these ugly set of materials and turn it into something beautiful, you know, and, and I think that, that he showed that really well, and um, I, I think that that was a large part of why, it, it was so like so many people were enjoying it was because you know he made this view you know when I looked at that tank you know it looked like it was two feet deep but it was only like you know it, what, ten inches deep. <laughs> what was the end product? What would you describe the view? I would describe it as a mountain, like a mountain yeah. range. You know, it looked yeah. like if you took a mountain and all of the hills and valleys and you just shrunk it down into this little box. And I think that that macro macro view of, of you know, the world and making this little world inside of the aquarium was really awesome. And he did it in a way that was really natural too. And so the view was, you know, this path down the middle that kind of weaved through these, these cracks and crevices. And I would almost call it like a, a it looked like a valley, obviously. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I think that that, it really portrayed a natural looking environment really, really well. Um, I, I really wish I, next time people have to come, because honestly, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to look at and it's hard to describe because it's it's so amazing you know it's like wow that looks like you know that looks like something you'd walk down in on a nature walk you know how do, how do the fish respond to an environment like that you know i feel like fish you know i've seen fish in all types of environments I've, i'll use the example of what's called an ember tetra which is a very small tetra that is orange usually but when they get into planted tanks that are really established in natural looking, they turn this bright red. And I think that, you know, the color of the fish changes and their behavior changes. Because when you have fish in like a fake decoration environment that's really bright and, you know, there's nowhere to really hide, you don't get the natural behavior out of the fish. But when you have the plants and you have little caves and crevices and all this stuff in there, the fish, you know, I I think the best example is like in the morning, most fish in a fake planted tank would could just be out swimming somewhere, whereas I feel like in planet tanks, when you turn on the lights in the morning, you don't see a single fish. They're all hiding, you know? And that's a natural behavior that I feel like is more pronounced in planet tanks, and that's just one of many. Which is actually a good thing because they're feeling comfortable about being, you know, tucked in for the night, and that actually makes them more comfortable coming out and feeling like they have some place to retreat to. And that's part of the reasons why those colors are so nice is they don't have to always be kind of on a – um, defensive, you know, you know, flight, yeah. sense response, right. Right. right? 
Right. Uh, now, this isn't the only um, presentation that you've per- personally witnessed outside of the store. You had yeah. an experience down in Chicago. Talk a little bit about that, and then we have something to show for that, which we'll talk yeah. about once you describe your experience. Yeah, so, you know, this past year, um, me and our uh, one of our managers, Steve, we went down to Chicago, and we went to what's called the Aquatic Gardeners Association Convention. And this is basically a bunch of planet tank nerds who love plants and who love aquascaping all getting together in a single room. And I think that that experience was really amazing because it wasn't that so big that there was, you know, it's not like Aquashella where there's thousands of people there, you know, it was a smaller group and you got more one-on-ones with, with these honestly legends of the, the, the hobby and the industry. And I think that it was an intimate experience to be able to sit down one-on-one with, um, like I forgot her last name, but her first name is Jen and, you know, like, um, Gary Lang and, you know, all these people and you get to sit down and talk to them and, and pick their brain. And I think that if anyone ever has the opportunity to, uh, go to a convention like that, I think that that is a very rewarding experience for a hobbyist. And then uh, while you were there, um, it sounded like there were uh, was an opportunity to, one, witness them producing or creating some of these magnificent aquarium displays, and then actually yeah. the opportunity to actually buy one. Talk a little bit yep, about that. Yep. So, so I, you know, that, that one is awesome. So I also got to see... Uh, macroalgae aquascaping. I got to see paludarium building. And then obviously um, the last one is George Farmer, who is a, like Jeff is, who was the aquascaper who came in, um, you know, a very prominent aquascaper and a very talented aquascaper. And I got to sit there and watch his presentation of it. And I I think the really cool part about all of it is how you watch George Farmer do it and then how you watch Jeff do it. And it's really amazing because they arrive at the same amazing result, but you know, they're doing it differently. They have different methods. Like George Farmer prefers to put the sand in first, whereas Jeff prefers to leave the sand out first and put your rocks in first. And so I, I think it's it, it's differences in how you do it. And um, that tank that George Farmer did, at the end of it, uh, me and Steve actually got the opportunity to bid on at the auction, and we were able to get it. Um, it sits down at Bruce Pets. If you walk past the saltwater section down to our aquarium gallery, right at the bottom of the stairs, there's George Farmer's Aquascape Tank. Um, and it's really amazing because there's only like three pieces of wood and two pieces of rock, but it looks incredible. <laughs> it, do, it does. I, I just was in your store yesterday and looked at that yeah. tank in particular yeah. at the bottom of the you stairs. Could t- you, could, you could tell it just had a certain, you know, special touch to it. No that, question. You know, somebody that's done it for time and time again knew what they were doing. Not to discount some of the other displays we have with even some of our own right. staff members that have put together and they have that kind of that is an inspiration and that's what we're trying yeah. to shoot for uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, the stores going through a remake all right and yeah. I'm not saying yeah. a total revolution but talk <laughs> a little bit about uh, what we're doing and and what you think about it and uh, what will people see if they come in now versus uh, you know let's say just a couple months ago yeah so I mean you know, I think when you say revolution, I think it is, honestly, for plants, it's a revolution. Um, we, in our store, we decided to change around some of our, our racks that held some of our tanks, and we decided to go with a very open and very big and very beautiful displays, which are two big tanks that are on either side of a um, a rimless 
220-gallon tank. So these tanks on either side are about 8 feet by 4 feet by 2 feet, um, and they are holding all of our plants that were once in our plant rack. And I think that if you come into the store and you're looking to get plants, you have all these plants right in front of you, and it is very well-labeled. It is very neat, and I think that when you have something like that, you know, if I'm walking into the store and I see that, I'm like, wow, those are beautiful plants. I want to do a planted tank. And I think that it also just helps inspire someone to be like, wow, I want to do that. That looks cool. Um, and I think that not many displays of plants do that, like the display that we have has done, because I, I, I walked in there and I wanted to buy plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how difficult is it to keep plants? Because there are just some people who, regular plants in, in the ground, they say, I don't have a green thumb and I can't do it and all the plants are going to die and this and that. And yet it, does, it doesn't seem terribly difficult. Explain to the listeners, what do they have to do to keep plants living in, in good shape? You know, I think that, you know, when someone says they don't have the green thumb, I think, no, you just haven't discovered your green thumb yet because everyone has a green thumb in there somewhere. <laughs> right. Um, you and, can't, and I think that. I'm well, sorry, go ahead. well, I was just going to say, you can't find your thumb when it's in your pocket. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I think that, honestly, when you look at plant growing in an aquarium, I think that if you have gone to Bruce and you have talked to someone there, like um, about the plants, and they gave you some basic information, planted tanks can be made complicated and be hard, or they could be made very simple and be easy. It all depends on what you're shooting for, what your goals are, and what your inspiration is. Because if, you know, I'm for just getting into planted tanks, my inspiration might be, wow, I want to do a George Farmer. I want to do, you know, Jeff, and I want to do something like that. But, you know, maybe they're starting simple. And I think that if you're looking to get into aquarium plants, start with the simple plants, learn what they need, learn how to grow them, and then slowly build your knowledge. And I think that once you've collected your knowledge and put in your backpack, I think that a lot of people feel may feel better about it. Because I think a lot of I can't do it or I don't have the green thumb. I think it's all in your head because you can do it. And I've seen a lot of people do it. And it's just about, you know, thinking about it, putting your mind to it and, and doing it. Um, but at home, I, you know, I honestly, you know, my planted tanks, I could just get good substrate. I do a lot of light. And usually that is half the battle. Yeah, right. And yeah. so when we, when people come in, we're going to, you know, share with them how and why. Um for what it's worth, for the listening public, we'll be putting on uh, some aquascaping classes and uh, feel free to uh, check in with us on that. But more importantly, on a, on a one-by-one basis, somebody comes in and they have enthusiasm. Know that we're that resource. Know that that's something that you can just come in, share your am- ambition, and let us kind of work with you because we've probably made a few of the experienced uh, both successes and failures that that mm-hmm. teach us on how to properly do something, and and that's what what the average person wants to do: come in, get get inspired, but also realize there'll be probably you know the more ambitious you get, the more you might have a failure here and there. But all mm-hmm. failures are opportunities to learn from, and for the most part, if you want to keep it simple, you'll never fail. But if you want to right. get more create, creative and create, you know, it's it's not a matter of whether it's good, bad, or in between. It's 
it's the journey that you have to have excitement, you know, to have fun, yeah. to have a hobby that, that right. we all, and I, I just invite the public to come in and see what we have because you will be inspired to do live plants. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that the more people that start to do live plants, the more that people are going to see it and be like, wow, that is super cool. Because I think it, it, right now it is aquascaping and planted tanks can sort of be considered a niche, but I think that it's, it's starting to grow into a big part of the hobby and become very popular. Well, like I said to you during the break, well, that's what scares me because my wife is a master gardener <laughs> and she might have new soil to plant. So. And like I told you during the break, the gardeners make the best aquascapers. <laughs> I believe it. Well, thank you so much, Will. We appreciate your time. We've been speaking with Will Schaefer uh, from Proust Aquarium Innovation. And Rick, after the break, we'll talk with another uh, gentleman who's got great thoughts and ideas on aquascaping right here on 1320 W. Two legs, good. Four legs, better. Any more or less than that, it's a party. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. I am the little red rooster. Two legs and a crow for day. It's 9.35, and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. His name is Kapil Mandricker, and he is a gra- he has a graduate degree in ecology. And, Rick, he has been into planted aquariums going back into 1994. So I would have to say he's probably one of the innovators of the concept of the planted aquarium, at least in this day day and age. Uh, welcome to the show, Kapil. Well, thank you guys for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Kapil, can you explain what was going on in your mind back in 1994 when you got started with this? Because I swear, and Rick tells me I'm wrong, but I swear, if you had a freshwater fish tank, you maybe had a plastic plant, you may have had a rock, you may have had SpongeBob or something like that, but the idea of creating the natural environments that they're making now. Wow, what a change. Well, I, I guess I'm not new to the concept, but in the United States back in 94, uh, planted aquariums were really behind the time. And I was a young kid then, and so um, I'll have to give credit to my father who uh, sort of pushed me in that direction. But we had set up a very large aquarium, and like like everybody else, you know, we had plastic plants and rocks, um, various other things in the tank, but my father wanted to go go do plants, and there there really wasn't much out there. We bought whatever plants we got, and they were put sort of you know face six inches from each other, and um, that's kind of what we did. Now, since I was a young kid, uh, we were members of the Southwest Michigan Aquarium Society. And uh, for one of our monthly meeting presentations, they put this video on called The Optimum Aquarium, which is also a, a book published by a German company called uh, Duplo, which I'm not certain if Duplo's around or not, but they were probably one of the first innovators. And they, they sort of had this, what they called a Dutch-style aquarium. And for people that do aquascaping, a, a Dutch-style sort of looks at the front of the tank. The sides don't really be much, very uh, jungle-like very organized. And after watching this video was, I think, my, my biggest inspiration that I wanted to have 
a tank that was that lush that looked really pretty. These tanks um, look like a work of art, and, and I wanted to achieve that. Um, and at the time, I was still a kid, and, and uh, there wasn't really the resources available on on building something like that that we have today, which is it's very easy to build a very nice planted aquarium today, or at least be able to grow plants. Yeah. Back then, it was it was difficult. Lighting was expensive. Lighting wasn't as easy to find. Running the lights cost a lot of money. Uh, back then, there were mercury vapor lamps. There were metal halides, VHOs. They produced a lot of heat. And not not um, to mention cost. You know. And cost, yeah, the the monthly costs of running those were expensive. Yeah, where and, to buy them? Where uh, to buy them? Yeah, where to buy them? I know Rick was probably one of the few places in Michigan to buy those lights. <laughs> well, no, I was just uh, thinking that uh, you couldn't. I I can remember we didn't carry a lot of the high end lighting because we just had this perception, you know, at five hundred dollars to to a thousand dollars a piece that it just wasn't a practical idea for the hobbyists that we had. Fair enough? No, I think that was pretty fair at that time. I don't know if people were willing to spend that much money on light. And um, substrate systems, they didn't exist, actually, which for people out there that don't know what substrate is, is basically your gravel, but it's gravel um, in which uh, animals are living on, like, plants. So nowadays we have several different options, several different levels, of planted aquarium substrates that give plants nutrients and um, provide the system for their roots to grow into. Back then, we just had gravel root tabs, and um, so it was it was it was it was kind of a, a experience, sort of to try to to learn how to make a really pretty aquarium. Um, the other issue was plants just weren't that available in the United States at that time. And I don't think we've had, even since like, I don't know, 2010, I back then plants were very difficult to come by. So I think it's more recent that we've been seeing a lot more plants coming into the hobby. And at one point in time, I um, I think I kind of got uh, burnt out with planted aquariums. I, I wasn't able to get the plants. Um, and and I kind of veered away from from keeping planted aquariums that I focused on on the fish uh, more so. And uh, when I was in graduate school, I had this undergraduate named Jesse. He worked with me, and he was from San Francisco, and he was really into to keeping planted aquariums. And I did have a planted aquarium at that time, and he kept telling me he's like, "You you guys here on the East Coast just don't know what a planted tank is." And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you need to, you need to come visit me in, in San Francisco. One one spring break, I was in San Francisco, and I I, I called him up and I said, hey, I want to know what a real planet tank is. And he took me to some of the local fish aquariums there, and they were uh, just absolutely astonishing. The aquascapes, the variety of plants that they had, the equipment that they had, the substrates that they had. And that sort of put me back into the plunge of aquariums. Um, you know, I brought back various plants from from San Francisco. Uh, I had the substrates shipped to me, and uh, you know, this was about around 2012, I think I would say. Sure. Um, and you know, that was sort of the first start. And I think what I noticed 
with the Planet Aquarium. So I had, um, when I was in grad school, I had two tanks. I had this Planet tank, which was like a 45-gallon cube. And then I had a 300-gallon aquarium that had freshwater stingrays. And I used to think that people that weren't really into aquarium would come in and see my freshwater stingrays and be like, oh, wow, that's so cool. But the opposite, they came in and they saw my Planet tank, and they were just so enthralled with it. The other tanks didn't really exist to them. They were they were just so in, enthralled with it. There's so much to look at. Um, and I think a really good way of putting a planet tank is that it can be art, and it can be art that develops over time, changes, um, and and very, very enjoyable. I would say. Yeah, I would. I would say um, uh, the one thing that I noticed that what no matter what, probably one of the best things to think about now with uh, aquar- um, aquascaped aquariums, it's, it's, it's less about aquascaped aquarium, but more about aquarium art. And plants tend to be one of the major fabrics that you can use to make something that's either in your mind that nature would be, you know, reflecting nature, or as we've noticed uh, from time to time, what could it be? You know, what is our imagination and what can plants and and hardscaped uh, materials, what can they actually express that is in our brains? You know what I mean? No, absolutely. There's there's a there's a lot of that. Also, plants are very uh, phenotypically plastic, which really means that they they have many different looks depending on what kinds of environments that you put in. And so you can take a species of plant and you can tweak the little things about your water chemistry. You can get the plants to turn red or get them to turn green. Um, and you know the, the the limits are endless. Yeah, actually, getting um, them to I grow, think, getting them to grow out of water, and all of a sudden they look like a totally different plant. Yes, and and that's been a new trend is people utilizing the space above a tank, um, having their plants grow out of the tank and in the tank, um, and that's that's you know uh, the people are getting larger drifts when so they do come out of the tank and they're tying things like bromeliad. Uh, orchids and just various other plants are, are utilizing some of these plants that can go terrestrial or even getting pond plants. Uh, some people are using floaters. I mean, there's there there's just a, a lot of a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, the other thing that I think that's changed a lot since uh, the early '90s is is uh, you would like look at Tashiki Amano. I would look at his book, The Nature Aquarium, which uh, for the people out there that don't know, Toshiki Amano is probably uh, one of the, the the fathers of modern aquascaping. And well, between the 80s and 90s, he created some just amazing planet tanks and developed a lot of the products that we actually use today. Uh, they may not necessarily be from his company, but they were inspired by products he had developed. And But he always had these custom rimless tanks of, he really put a lot of effort into the woods and the rocks and the scapes uh, um, and the tank as part of the whole package um, and really creating sort of like a modern sort of design to it. And um, getting a rimless tank was like pulling teeth in the 90s and even in the early 2000s. In the, in the probably past seven, eight years, I would say we've had a huge influx of rimless tanks. And um, I think you I think it's just it's it's crazy to to um, think about that. At one point, I would have just dreamed to have one of those tanks, and now I can just go anywhere yeah. and get one. Could, you know? yeah. 
Kapil, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd like to talk with you about some of the ingredients that you think make for a great planted tank. Uh, we're talking this morning with Kapil Mandriker about planted aquariums. We'll be back right here on 1320. W-I-L-S. It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about planted aquariums. And Rick, I believe you had a question you wanted to ask Kapil to start this segment off. Hey, Kapil. Um, I, remember, I, I remember as a younger guy, but I was to you, I was probably still an old guy. <laughs> you uh, looked like you, <laughs> you coming into the store. But we weren't where we're at now. We were somewhere else. Can you talk a little bit about you know, your first exploration into uh, what's now Pruce, Pruce Pets? Talk a little bit about that. Well, um, we were in Lansing area for uh, – I can't remember. I think my sister was taking some sort of college prep class there. Um, and we were just driving in that general area and I saw the word pets and I go, dad, we need to stop there. And, uh, so it's kind of organic. We stopped there. And then, um, I just remember at the old store, you'd walk in, I think the counter was to the left. And then, um, there was a little opening. It was kind of like you went through like a little door or a little cave thing. And there was, I think a little polydarium or, some sort of tank over there. Then you just open in this big space, which was your fish room. And the first thing I remember noticing about the fish room was just every tank was all pretty much planted. And it was just, um, just somehow some of the most gorgeous plants I think I've ever seen in uh, aquarium shop. And especially at that time when you rarely got plants or any variety of plants in most stores, you know, they were thriving in your store I think that was probably the biggest. I mean, there was all sorts of cool fish and stuff like that, but I think the, the plants were what really just, I think, what I remember. I remember my first plant I bought from you was a, a red oslet sword, um, which was, which was you know, gr- fully grown in water. Um, one of the things that Rick introduced me to was uh, substrates. I think that's uh, around the time when, uh, Seachem, I think, launched their first fluorite yep. uh, mix, yep. and that was in a, a good chunk of your tanks. And you know, I remember that whole conversation about about that. And I think my first bag of fluorite. Uh, I think I had to do some more chores before I, I could afford fluorite, but that was sort of um, <laughs> where where uh, it kind of started with the substrate systems, and and uh, I mean, you had CO two in a lot of your tanks. Uh, you had, you know, pretty high lights on the tanks. And you also had really cool display tanks, I remember. And I remember uh, coming in there. I didn't come in, like, every week, but we would probably come in maybe once a month or so. And over time, you know, the displays will always be changing. There's always something new. Um, and it was just always um, it was just always a memorable experience because I, I always say, when you go there, there's always something that you want. There's never nothing that you can never make the trip to Proust and not find something that you would, would want or need, you know? Yeah. Um, I think Rick was actually the first person and these lights have become obsolete, but power compact lights, mm-hmm. which are the, the U shaped lights for the people that don't know. They were uh, at one point, a very popular light for planted aquariums and reef aquariums. 
And the first person to ever show me one was Rick Bruce. I remember he pulls it out and he's like, these are, these are much more energy efficient than metal halides. And he plugs it in. I'm like, wow, this is the future. <laughs> and, uh, for a while, it was the future, um, yeah. and now we have LED lights. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the thing I kind of remember uh, when we were making our, our fish racks, um, normally you would try to think about being energy conserving um, to mm-hmm. make it you know, affordable. But I went a whole different direction back then. Our, our eight-foot-long racks, I would go out, and there were these grow lights that you could buy, but they were – very high output, and you had to have a really super huge ballast, and then we had to wire that up into the fixtures and these eight-foot-long bulbs that are putting out, I can't remember how many watts, but they were maybe a couple hundred watts a bulb. And our plants wow. our plants did, like, fantastic. And then the colors, because anytime you deal with a grow light, it brings out a lot of reds and blues. The fish just jumped, popped right out at you, and we usually kept both the plants and the fish together in the same tank, and that that was that was a a fun time that I can kind of reflect back. And you know, we do things a little differently now. We have spaces where the plants do well, and they're in generally either less fish or it's less emphasizing fish or without fish, and then the fish themselves uh, are typically. You know, some will have plants in their tanks, but more importantly, we're just displaying the fish as one idea and the plants as another. And then we have display tanks that show a blend of the two, which work out real well. Um, and, and unbeknownst to the audience at this point, you you actually worked at a store for some time and uh, played a managerial role there. Can you talk a little bit about your journey later later on, you know, when you you're now – uh, an adult, and uh, and what turned you to working at a store? Um, well, I was in graduate school, and I used to go into the store, and I used to talk to the owner. And the, uh, it's funny because the owner at the time is still a very good friend, and I uh, helped him set up a second store. Um, but, you know, I'd go in there, and I had some ideas for him, and he's like, hey, would you like to work here part-time? And I started working there part-time, and then part-time became – um, a lot more time, and then that sort of became into more of a managerial role. But, um, you know, I think the one thing that uh, I really saw in the area where I was, I was in upstate New York, and, they, you know, there were a bunch of aquarium shops, but they were sort of stuck in certain ways. And I really did want to bring planted aquariums up into that area. So, um, you know, getting all the... Uh, it became easier over time, but um, at one point I was trying to get some of these uh, substrate systems, and um, it was very difficult um, getting plants. Um, I actually grew a lot of the plants at home uh, for a long time because I couldn't get the variety from any sort of wholesaler or grower. So I would, um, you know, buy some of these from collectors all over the country and I had tanks at home where I, I um, they didn't necessarily look nice, but they, I, I just was growing the plants and I was bringing in and selling uh, tons of plants and the guy that got known for that. Um, I did did take a lot of uh, stuff that I learned from going to Proust Pets into that store. Um, we didn't have a separate quarantine area, but you know we modified the tanks in which I could uh, sort of do quarantine 
um, as the fish kind of came in, in in the tanks in place. Right. Um, and made sure that health was a really important important part of of what we were selling, and also just looking for opportunities of of, of ideas that people in the area didn't really realize were ideas. Um, and the, the shop was very uh, saltwater and reef focused when I started. Um, the freshwater was just sort of a side note, and we kind of got to the point where the freshwater was actually making more money than the saltwater was. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and you know, you probably needed a format where the, the person running it wasn't necessarily stuck in old ways of doing things. I mean, with, with uh, reef tanks and our current methodology and practice on reef aquariums, you have to be progressive. You have to be thinking forward. And so allowing you to come in and then a progressive thinker as yourself, you were, you were probably more enabled to do the things that you wanted to do. No, absolutely. And also um, just bringing in some different kinds of fish. And I think the one thing the owners always told me is like, if you want some rare exotic marine fish, you're, you're, you're paying a lot of money for it. But you know, some of these, some of these rare exotic freshwater fish compared to marine fish aren't as expensive. I mean, yeah, maybe they're expensive for a tetra, but you know, there's a lot more doable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, and there's just some unique things that you, you, you find into the trade. And um, we've been having a lot of fish, uh, a lot of rare exotic fish that are being bred in uh, parts of Europe, like the Czech Republic, Poland, and, and uh, Germany that are that are coming in that you don't really find in, in high numbers or they live in kind of remote areas of the wild. So they don't show up in the hobby, but they're raising them there and they're, 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 they're shipping them all over the world. Um, I know, Rick, you said you were bringing some of those fish into your shop. Kapil, um, Kapil I need to jump in and uh, thank you for coming in and talking with us. Unfortunately, we've run out of uh, time for today's show, but we would love to have you back on uh, again in the Absolutely. future to share your adventures because it, there really is a change in these planted tanks that make a big difference for people uh, who haven't considered them. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It was our pleasure. And, Rick, I'm afraid uh, we're going to have to pick up conversation next week. But on behalf of Rick Bruce and our producer, Bruce Warner, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Meantime, will you all please, please take good care of your pets and have a great holiday. Make up your mind. Decide to walk with me